Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Aaron H. Warren. Aaron is on the show today talking about finding confidence in God no matter what, because life rarely goes as planned, particularly when we rely on our own plans rather than God's. So when things go awry, our faith in His faithfulness may waver. And yet, God's faithfulness is not tied to our earthly circumstances, but rather to His promises in Scripture. Erin is chatting about her book, Everyday Prayers for Faith, and she unpacks the precious promises of God that are worth far more than anything this world has to offer. Erin's prayer is that by the end of this book and this episode, that women will fling their arms open wide and leap forward to proclaim, I trust in God. There it goes. I had to accept that it was recording before it would let me. I was like, why am I on mute? (laughs) Sorry. All right. Let's, let's, let's pray. And then, and then we'll get going. Father, we, um, we just love you. And, um, we devote this time to you because you are why we do what we do. And I just thank you so much for Aaron. I thank you for her heart to serve you. I thank you for her authenticity and honesty and vulnerability to help me and uh, what a gift of a person that she is, Father. And so I just, I pray that um, because she has been faithful, that you would show favor to her in this book and this message. I know it's already helped me. I know it's going to help so many women um, that are going to listen to this episode, that are going to read the words that you've given her, Father. And so I just pray that you would just continue to encourage her, give her energy and endurance to continue on in this call. Just um, give her an extra dose of of peace and, um, and, and help us just to trust in your sovereignty that you didn't put us here for any accident, father, but that you knew before we were even born, that we would be having this conversation, that we would be publishing these books. And we know that in your hands that you can do great things with them, father. And so we just trust you in that. And we give this time to you. It's in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right, ma'am. Here we go. Yes. (laughs) Well, hey, Erin, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Rachel, I'm so glad to be here. It's so great to finally get to sit down and talk to you. I feel like we have so many connections and I see your name in all these different similar spaces. And so it's just great to actually get to meet you and and to chat. Well, I feel the same. So I actually have read through your entire book. And I loved it. And so I'm so excited to have the, today's conversation. Your book is one in the Everyday Prayer series by Million Praying Moms. So we've had Brooke McLaughlin on to chat about patience. And today we're talking about faith. So as we begin, when did you first have faith to believe in God? Well, I it was very thankful. Grew up in um, a Christian family. Um 
you know, my dad's family are extremely, you know, faithful, um, Christian family. My mom's side was, um, not believers. And so she came to faith in high school and that's, um, just been a really, um, I think valuable part of my story, you know, it's made me appreciate and see just how, um, just grateful I am to have grown up in a Christian house. Um, you know, I don't really remember exactly how old I was, um, when I prayed the prayer. Um, and, um, and I share that story in the book, but I do have this very clear vision. I probably was somewhere around five or six and, um, you know, sitting on my daddy's knee and at our dining room table and praying that prayer. Um, but I think for me and, and part of what the Lord has been doing in my, um, life over the last few years is just helping me have a better grip and understanding of what faith is, because, you know, I think a lot of times we, we look at these kids and, you know, we go, Oh, they can't know, they can't know the full gravity. And y'all, I still, you know, 43, I don't know that I can have the full gravity of, you know, what, um, what faith totally is. Um, and I think what is so powerful is my own kids have, um, professed faith at young ages as well is, is something that my mom told me, um, my youngest was, or my, my oldest was four. And he's like, I want to ask, um, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And I was like, I mean, you're four, you can't know this. And my mom said, never discount what God is doing in the heart of a child. And I think allowing him to pray that prayer and then being able to walk alongside of him, like my parents walked alongside of me, um, you know, has really helped me cling to faith no matter what has come our way. And, um, I'm just really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, actually my daughter, she accepted the Lord at a very young age. That was five. And even just recently, she's like, mom, do you think I really understood back then? I'm like, I, I think you had childlike faith and we asked you all yeah. the questions and you had all the answers. And so like, who were we to not let you, you know, like, no, wait, 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 you know, like, right, I, right. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to be like, nope. Nope, it didn't you're not change. ready. <laughs> no. like, right. It's, it's, it's and what a joy a and what a, yeah. I mean, we're still learning, right? Still learning. I mean, even as, as adults, you know, we're still learning what faith means. And, um, that's been something that, um, has just been so eye opening to me is even walking through scripture and seeing, um, the faith of, of the, of the, these giants of the faith that we read about in Hebrews 11, you know, that even they, they have this seed of faith that is planted that grows over time. And we so often take the Hebrews 11 version of them and we put it at the very beginning of their story. And we have to realize like Abraham, from the time God gave him the promise in Genesis 15 to the time that, um, Isaac is born is 24 years. Like, think about your faith and where you were 24 years ago. And so that gives us a little bit more understanding. You know, I'm teaching through the book of Mark right now. And one of the things that is a theme in Mark's gospel is um, that the disciples never get it. They actually never profess him as the savior and Messiah that he came to be. When the only time Peter does say that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, but he says that in a, in a military way, like a misunderstanding, like he's come to be the military victory Messiah that we've been waiting for. And, um, part of the reason that they think that he wrote that is, um, that Mark wrote with that bent is because these are first generation 
um, early second generation Christians that he's writing to that are, they are the fruit of the disciples faith. And they're looking at these giants of the faith and going, you know, I can't, I'm not that I can't be that. And so there's scholars that believe Mark wrote this to show them the seed of faith that the disciples began with to remind them because they're seeing the fruit 30 years down the road and to remind them of where they started 30 years ago. And so I think that's so important when we're talking about faith is to recognize that it is something that starts as a seed and it grows. I mean, the fruit of the spirit lends itself to that, right? Like fruit doesn't just pop on the vine when you put a seed in the ground, it has to grow. And so I just love that the Lord is so long suffering and patient and kind with us that he would walk with us and allow us to, um, he continues to be with us, you know, even when we, we falter. Yeah. Uh, you just segued perfectly into my next question for you. <laughs> so, I mean, over the years, you said you're 43. So, and you, yeah. you know, have been a believer for a very long time. So has your faith faltered over the years? For sure. Um, and I think a lot of times, and this is one of the things I think, um, you know, when we talk about, there's just so many people that are questioning faith these days is that we think if our faith falters, or we think that if we question, then we must not have had faith to begin with. And, um, it's kind of that, you know, passage in Mark where the father, um, I think it's in Mark, um, eight, uh, nine where the, um, the father comes to the, it's Mark nine thirty four. the father of the child who has an unclean spirit. He brings his child to Jesus' feet and he says, I believe, help my unbelief that we can, um, we can be in that space where we're going. I do believe you, Lord, help me overcome this space where I, where I don't believe and just keep drawing me towards you. And so, you know, my, my journey has been one where I have recognized the things and the places where, um, I was holding God to promises he never made and then getting, you know, questioning, well, you know, why didn't this happen? This happened for this person and not that person, you know? So I think, um, it has faltered, but he's so, like I said, so kind and gracious to, to keep going. He's not like, well, you messed up. That's it. You're out. Bye. See ya. You know, like he, he keeps going with us. Oh, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And so I, I want to read something from your book because I actually, like, I, I wish everybody could see my book that I have from you because it, I have the entire introduction underlined pretty much. So I wanted to read a little bit. No, I won't read the entire thing, but I wanted to read a snippet yeah. um, that, that really hit home for me. And it says this, the problem with saying God is faithful in the face of good earthly circumstances is that it opens up some common questions. Does that mean God is not faithful to the one whose husband died? Is God not faithful to the one who never had the baby? Is God not faithful to the one who never got the promotion? Is God not faithful to the one who did not see the healing or the outcome they desired? Tying his faithfulness to the good earthly outcomes of our story causes us to question the very character of God. And when we do that, we begin to question our faith in a faithful God. And I'm telling that gives me chills all over the place again, because that really, yeah. that, that is like, you're, you're getting into every one of our minds, you know, like one person's cancer, um, is healed and the other person isn't still in chemotherapy, but they're both faithful believers. So God's faithful to the one and not the other. I mean, like this, this is really mind boggling. So I guess my question for you is how do you think that we have misunderstood the meaning of God's faithfulness? Because I have. 
Yeah, I, I have too. And I'm so guilty of saying it, you know, um, when somebody does put the great news on Facebook, what do we say? God is good. God is faithful. And y'all that just, that's not his faithfulness. It's not. Um, I remember, um, and for me, this hit home when my husband about seven, eight years ago was diagnosed with a chronic illness. And it was the first time I went through something hard. Like I had been laid off from a job and I was like, it's okay. God's going to open another way. Like, and I got to freelance and be a stay at home mom and it was fantastic. So I got to do both, you know, and I was like, see, praise Jesus, you know, um, the getting pregnant the first time took a while. The second time it took even longer. And, you know, I kept going, you know, but eventually, you know, it happened for us. And so like, it was like, okay, yay. And I could tie these like little bows and put them on the shelf and be like, you know, and I would say things, people would say things like God is faithful. And it was the first instance where I started going, well, wait a second. What about my friend who's been walking infertility for five years and still doesn't have a baby and may never have a baby? Does that mean that God's not faithful to them? Because God is faithful. We know his character is faithful. And so um, when my husband was diagnosed with this illness that was never going to go away, that we were, and it wasn't that I didn't believe God could heal him. It's just that I was in the space where I had to realize the tension we live in, living in this broken earth, you know, world where hard stuff happens. Healing doesn't always happen. We don't always get the outcomes we desire. Where does that leave God's faithfulness? And so it was really in that season that I started going, okay, I think I've misunderstood something about God's faithfulness. Um, and so um, I started, you know, really seeking who God is in his word in that time. Um, and I learned that his faithfulness is that he keeps his promises and he doesn't promise us good earthly outcomes. In fact, he promises us the opposite. And, you know, John 16, 33 says in this world, you will have trouble. Like you're going to have trouble, but he says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace because take heart. I have overcome the world, you know, like he, he knows that we live in this broken space. And he is still faithful to us. And so that begs the question, what are his promises? Which I want to get into so that you you walk through those promises in the book um, each day for 30 days. So what yes. does God actually promise us? And there's 30 of them. I don't expect you to go through all of them. I mean, you can right. <laughs> do what you want to do. I mean, some of my favorite, I start the book right there at salvation. Like he promises to save us. He promises that Jesus is enough and that, um, you know, we have an, an eternal salvation. You know, he promises us eternal life. One of the ones that has been near and dear to my heart is um, day two, that he's faithfully present. Um, he never leaves us or forsakes us. And I think that's something that, you know, I think back and people would be like, God is silent. God, he's not speaking to me, you know, kind of things like, and we'll read some of those Psalms where, where David is crying out, asking like, why have you, why have you forsaken me? But the truth is he hasn't, he hasn't forsaken us. Um, sometimes we feel like that, but it's, you know, and Satan wants us to believe that, but you know. He is, he promises us rest. He promises us forgiveness. He promises us the Holy spirit. That's another one I love. Cause it means we're not alone that we have help. Um, he cares for you. He gives mercy. He comforts us. He's victorious. He doesn't put us to shame. Um, and it ends with, he's going to come back one day. He's going to be faithful to return. Um, and all of those, all of the faithfulness of the promises that we see here, 
help us hold on to the hope and the confidence that we know he will be faithful to return in the end. So in the verse, uh, Psalm 37, three, it says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And the Hebrew word, and this is all from your book. It's, I didn't do the research. <laughs> the Hebrew <laughs> word for befriend can also be translated to feed on faithfulness. And so you are a Bible study teacher um, for feasting on the truth. And so I want to make sure and point everybody to that as well. And we'll do that at the end. But so I'm just interested. You obviously love feasting on the truth. How do we feast on God's faithfulness? Oh man. Um, I think that was, you know, feasting. Mm, it's so near dear to my heart because I also love food. So it's just <laughs> a really great marriage mm -hmm. of feasting in, um, at the table and feasting, uh, on, on the word feasting on truth. Um, it is rooted in abundance and that is what awaits us in scripture. And I think for me, um, in that season, I learned some things about, you know, like I said, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Christian school. I had led Bible studies. I had, you know, my bookshelf was lined with, you know, all these fill in the blank Bible studies, but I didn't know how to read God's word for myself. And, um, in that season where I was kind of going, how do I, how do I better understand his faithfulness? Well, I turned to his word and it was the first time I was like, Lord, meet me in your word and teach me who you are. And I learned in that season that the Bible is not a book about us. You know, so many of us want to read the Bible. Um, and I talk about this in my first book, Feasting on Truth, um, about these different approaches, these flawed approaches we have to scripture. And one of them's like the magic eight ball that you like ask it the question and you shake it up and you like, flip it open, looking for the answer you want or the yearbook. This one, um, there's a sweet local pastor's wife named Susie Lee that, that taught me about this. She's like, what's the first thing you did when you got your yearbook? You looked for the pictures of yourself. You like, we come to scripture and that's so big right now. Like, what's my identity in Christ? What's my identity in Christ? Like, who am I in Christ? What does he do for me? And we have to recognize that this is a book first and foremost about God and that the Bible is the primary way in which he reveals himself to us. And so all those times that we think God is silent and he's not speaking, well, we're not, if we're not opening the word, like he speaks in his word every single time we open it, you know, it may not be this big angel singing, aha, clouds parting moment, but every time we come to his word, this is one of his other promises. He is faithful to use it. That's Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Um, he uses it to, to produce life in us. And it's the way that he reveals himself to us. So we, um, come to scripture to feast on his word. Now here's the thing, and this is controversial. I know it is, but did you know that the words quiet time are not in the Bible <laughs> and that we are actually never called to come to scripture and read the Bible every morning. And part of that is because they didn't have Bibles to read. Like they listened to it. Like that is how they learned. They, they were an oral society, which means that they were taught and they memorized. And here's why that's so much more powerful than reading your Bible every day. It's because when we study scripture and we allow it to sink into us, then we're able to do what we're called to, where we meditate on his word day and night. I used to read that and be like, I can't meditate on his word day and night because I can't read my Bible 24 seven, but they never, it was like they were able to meditate on it day and night because his word was in them. And so 
we get to feast on his faithfulness when we are are feasting on his word in a way that allows it to sink deeply into us so that we know it in a way that we can call it to mind when Satan comes to attack. We can call it to mind when we want to doubt his faithfulness. Um, and that time with the Lord is so important. It's not a bad habit. Like I, I don't want you to stop having a quiet time because you hear that, but, but taking it outside the box and not just making it this check mark that you have at the beginning of the day where you read a verse and most of the time it's out of context. And then you're like, Hey, you know, like to be able to, um, to know his promises because Satan is prowling around and he wants to make you doubt God since the beginning, Genesis three, one, did God actually say, so we got to know what he says. And then we're going to be firmly rooted and able to, to stand in our faith no matter what comes our way. Mm, that's so good. And I actually have to tell you, so I, Mary DeMuth has the 90 day um, Bible reading challenge. Mm-hmm. And so I started January 1st and um, I have, you know, most of the time I, I, I used to just sit and read, but I'm trying to kind of multitask. And I thought, well, while I'm on my walk and while I'm working out and like while I'm in the car and doing whatever, I'm going to actually listen to it. It takes an hour, but I'm working out for an hour most days anyway. And so this has been the first time I've, I've actually ever audibly like listened to the Bible through and I have loved it. And I just was telling my husband last night, like just to saturate myself and like, just to receive it. It's just been, Mm -hmm. it's just been a different way to, um, partake of the message, you know? And so I really, it's not a cop out. I've really enjoyed it. Until the Gutenberg press was invented in like the 1400s, nobody had copies of Bible and they still didn't for a lot of years. You know, reading the Bible is actually a very new concept, Hmm. um, you know, in the history of time. So listening to it, not a cop out. And it's fascinating because you actually will hear things when you listen to it that you don't hear Mm -hmm. when you, or you don't see when you read it. Yeah. It's the only awesome. thing I'm missing right now, cause my, I usually have like a journal and my pen and I'll like write down <laughs> the things that I like. And as I'm like True. walking or whatever I'm doing, it's like, well, I, I yeah. am missing that. So I'm trying to like take a screenshot of the verse. Like, like go yeah. back to that and journal and go later. Back and, yeah. yeah. But anyway. Okay. So I, okay, sorry, I loved, <laughs> no, I know that was totally a tangent. I loved all of your 30 devotions, but one of my favorite ones was about how God faithfully provides rainbows. And actually like two days ago, we had, we had terrible weather here. Um, and then I, and then I saw the sunshine and I thought, oh, I know there's a rainbow. I know it. It was, Erin, I'm not kidding you. It was the closest rainbow I've ever seen. And I told my daughter, Kate, I was like, do you think that I could go and like stand under it? And she goes, mom, I think it's farther than you think it is. <laughs> but I took a picture because <laughs> so um, I wanted, but it just was, it's, th- there's something about the rainbow that is just, well, we know what it is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's about, yeah. it's, it's biblical. So I'd love for you to right. share your story with us. Your story's better than mine. Mine was just, I saw one, but <laughs> God gave you one at a really neat moment. Oh my goodness. Well, here, let me tell you a little bit of a background, because when I wrote this one, I was like, they are going to cut this. I was like, oh, I loved it. Think this is so out of left field. And literally every interview I have done, except for one, has asked me about this devotion. Um, like they put it on the back of the book. It calls out the rainbows on the back of the book. And I was like, okay, this one is striking a chord. And, um, you know, it's fast. So I live in, um, Orlando, Florida and, um, we get, we are just known for quick, isolated thunderstorms that move through quickly. And then at the end, the sun shines. And so we just, we get the most brilliant rainbows, particularly over the summer. Um, and so I'm just used to seeing rainbows all the time. And um, I tell this story in the book of, 
you know, one of those times we had this, just, I was sitting in the ICU with one of my best friends and her husband was, her husband was in the ICU. I was sitting with her in the waiting room and, um, it was the first day, um, of his incident. And, um, there was just this huge, brilliant rainbow over, and it was just, it was one that you just couldn't dismiss as like, like it felt purposeful. Um, and then the next day we're sitting in the waiting room and the security guard walks in with a, a get well balloon that has this rainbow border. And he's like, you know, I just saw the most beautiful rainbow yesterday. And, um, I bought this for a little boy, but I can't find him now. So I thought I would bring it up here because I just felt like somebody here needed to be reminded. I just love the way a rainbow appears after the storm. And I just like, I got goosebumps. I took a picture of it. I was like, like it just, it, I couldn't dismiss it. It was, it was God reminding us of his faithfulness. And as a child, because I grew up seeing these beautiful rainbows all the time, I used to be like, yep, there's my promise. God's not going to flood the earth again, which is a very real promise to people in central Florida because we get a lot of rain. Um, but, uh, as a, as I've grown up, as I've, I've studied more, um, I've come to understand that the rainbow that God paints in the sky is more than just a mere promise that he's never going to kill off all of creation again. Um, it's a reminder to us. It's a promise that he's going to be merciful and forbearing in our sin and hidden in that promise is the promise of another way. So when we see a rainbow, it's a reminder that God in his mercy would send a redeemer, that he would send Jesus and he was faithful to do that. And that promise is not just in that moment in Genesis, it's for us too, because Genesis 9, 16 says, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Y'all, that's us. You know, like it's forever a reminder to us that God is faithful and he's trustworthy and he knows that we're prone to forget that. And so he, I love that he gave us a physical reminder. Um, I'm really big on physical reminders of time. So like I have in my closet, a little like wooden tray with rocks in it. And I, in, in moments where I see God do something, I write it on a rock. Um, because we see in the old Testament, all these places where God's like, make an altar here and remember my name. I'm Yahweh Nisi. I'm the Lord, your banner. Um, take these rocks out of the Jordan, put them here. And then you're going to remember for all, um, you know, that these, that this is a reminder of how I brought you out of the wilderness and I brought you into the promised land. And it's going to be a, a generational reminder for, for years to come of what I did here. And so we're prone to forget. And so not only is the rainbow for us a sign to remember that God is trustworthy, it's also a call for us to, to look for those rainbows in our life. What are the physical reminders that he continues to give us of what he has done in our life, where he showed himself faithful, where he showed up, how he is who he says he is, and he does who he does what he says he does. I'm getting preachy, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, you're speaking my language. We we before we even hit record, we're, we I were talking it. about how much we love Bible study, um, and so I, yes. I adore that. But so since this podcast is about love, day 18 talks about how God is faithful to love us steadfastly. So in your research, you found that the Hebrew mm. word for steadfast love is hesed. Am I pronouncing that right? Hesed. Yeah. Yeah. You got okay. it. Um, and you so that it. is best described as loyal love. So I'd love for you to elaborate on that. Yes. 
Oh my goodness. This is such a great word. Um, so in your Bible, you'll see anytime in the old Testament, it says steadfast love, or, um, it'll say loving kindness, all one word. Um, it is this Hebrew word has said, and, um, it's actually how God describes himself in Exodus 34, when Moses asks the Lord to show him his glory and he puts him in the cleft of the rock and God puts his hand over him and he passes before him and he declares his name. He says, the Lord, the Lord, uh, he, this is, he says, I am, um, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So the Lord himself declares himself as steadfast love. And um, we don't really have great English words to really describe it. The best um, way we have to really describe it is covenant loyalty or enduring love. The biggest it's used almost 200 times in the old Testament, but um, the biggest thing is that it's not conditional. It's not about who we are. It's not about who we've done. It is exact. It is just who he is and he cannot change. And so, um, he is who he says he is. He has the steadfast love. So there's nothing you can do, nothing you can do that will make him stop loving you because he can't, he literally can't like it is who he is. And I love that because it's such a great reminder when we feel unloved here, um, when we feel betrayed, when we feel like we're unseen and nobody cares, like he does, he does. And you can know that. And Satan wants you to believe that he is like a human who love falls in and out of love. Um, but he's not, he is somebody who steadfastly loves you for all eternity. Amen. So at the end, uh, and I'm, I'm giving like, the, I'm giving, I gave you the introduction. Now I'm giving the conclusion, <laughs> right? I'm giving it all away. Uh, hopefully this is just a teaser. So everybody will go get the book, but so you conclude on day 30 that God is faithful to return. So how does knowing he will return for the second time, help us to be faithful now? Yeah, all of this, all of these promises. Um, and there's so many more than, than are just in this book, um, this is just a small sampling of them, but they all lead us to this one. Um, because if we know that he has been faithful in the past, we know that he will continue to be faithful to, to do all he says. And um, for me, you know, this promise definitely hits home living um, in a house with bodies that are, you know, not functioning the way that, you know, they should, that, um, you know, we have hope that he will one day restore all things. Um, it reminds us that this world is not our home and it really shifts us to an eternal perspective. And on days that feel long and days that feel like he's never going to come, we can trust and know that he will, you know, second Peter three, eight and nine tells us that with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He's eternal. He's timeless. Uh, which means he's above kind of beyond time. Um, he's not slow to fulfill his promise. And one day he will be faithful to return. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that. So mm -hmm. let's talk to the woman right now that is just really struggling in her, in her faith walk, mm -hmm. whether she's you know struggling to believe in God's faithfulness or struggling to be faithful to God. Um, how would you yeah. encourage her today? I want her to know that she has a promise keeping God um, and that this world is hard 
and life is hard and every day is hard. Um, but the hardness doesn't mean he's not faithful. Um, and what I love so much about God. And when we talk about that Romans eight twenty eight, you know, he works all things for good that that good is always about eternity. And that good is always about us looking more like Jesus. And so, yeah, it's hard, but it's not forever. Forever will be restored forever will be glorious. And, um, I, for me in our own hard seasons, um, I don't, I don't sit here talking about this, you know, this is something I've had to live, um, because, you know, my husband was diagnosed and, you know, it took us a couple of years to really get his, um, disease under control. And it is, and we're so thankful, but then 2020 hit and that brought its own hard things. And then, um, in 2022, I was like, that's it. Okay. We, we got through it. We can tie this bow, put it back on the shelf. And then my son was died. My youngest was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And we entered a world of being a special needs family to having a child with a disability. That is a 24 seven thing. Like y'all I'm telling you, like, I am not capable of being a pancreas, like God, <laughs> like the design of God's body that just works. Like it is our daily reminder to me that I am not God and that he is. And, um, it's hard and I'm tired all the time, um, mentally, physically, emotionally. And, um, but the Lord shows up. Um, he keeps these promises to us. We just have to know what they are. And if we are willing to be surrendered and, um, and yield and, and walk with him, like, open our eyes to see him, he will be so faithful to show up. Um, it's not going to necessarily make it easier, um, but it will, it will be worth it. I promise you that. Hmm. So this is a question I've been asking all of my guests um, this season. So what is something mm -hmm. you're loving right now? It can be a product. It can be a book of the Bible. It can be a person. It doesn't matter what, no rules, but what's something you're loving right now? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> okay. If you want the very genuine, true, the first I, thing that came up I to, do. to mind. <laughs> um, so there's a, my, my family every year for Christmas makes um, Buckeye balls. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, um, you know, like these really sweet peanut butter balls dipped mm -hmm. in chocolate. And um, so I, I love cooking. I love trying new recipes and they're like sugar bombs. And so I wanted to, I was trying to figure out how to make one that wasn't quite so sugary because diabetes, um, and just, it makes it a lot easier to manage and stuff. So, um, I, I am loving, we call them chocolate peanut butter boulders because they look more like, cause I put rice krispies in them and they look more like a giant rock than they do a Buckeye ball. But, um, I made them, we ate through them so fast. And I just made another batch yesterday because they're so good. It's like peanut butter and rice krispies and dipped in dark chocolate. It has to be dark chocolate. Um, and I am loving them right now. <laughs> so okay. everyone else is like, I'm on a diet and it's January. <laughs> and I'm like, bring on the peanut butter boulders. <laughs> well, we said we like to feast because we like food. So yes, I'm, I'm with you on that. So sure. can, are, you, are you willing to share the recipe with us all? Like, can we put that in the show yeah. notes? 
Yes, I will write up that recipe for you and and send that and you can put it in the show notes because, okay. um, you know, it uses natural peanut butter. So there's no sugar in the oh, peanut butter. Right. And so it's a protein ball. That's what I, that's what I should probably call them. <laughs> well, good. Well, so yours, I, I, and I love dark chocolate and I love peanut butter. So I'm sure I would like it. Mm-hmm. So now, well, now we'll get a little bit more biblical because we like putting okay. in the Bible. Um, is there a biblical concept of love that speaks to your heart most that you'd want to encourage us with today as we come to a close? Oh goodness. I think really it is that has said, um, that steadfast love. Um, you know, I'm, I just like the fact that our God names himself that I think speaks volumes of who he is. And, um, uh, Oh, I thought of another one. Can I give you a secondary one? Yeah. Okay. So this one, this is, this is your bonus biblical content because I learned this last year and I was like, it was mind blowing to me. Okay. So, we always talk about like, what is the first chapter everyone thinks about when they think of love? First right? Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13. So when we hear Jesus saying, love your neighbor as yourself, or last year I was teaching through Romans and in Romans, um, he mentions love your neighbor as yourself, like in the end. And, um, but y'all, this was so mind blowing to me. They didn't have first Corinthians 13 when Jesus spoke, love your neighbor as yourself. That's not what he was talking about. He was talking about Leviticus and y'all in Leviticus. Okay. You have to put it in the show notes. Cause I always forget exactly. I think it's Leviticus 19 um, is the love your neighbor is yourself law. So when you want to know what it means like to love your neighbor, you go to that. And it talks about how um, the Lord, uh, like he says, things like don't hold wages over to the next day. Like he's actually talk like, don't cheat people. Don't take advantage of people who have disabilities because you know that you can take advantage of them. Like it's, it's really powerful to look at love your neighbors yourself in the context of Leviticus versus cause y'all first Corinthians 13 is overwhelming to me. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this. This is a lot, but these are very practical things that I can do. So yeah, I actually, so as I've been listening to the Bible in 90 days, I just got through Leviticus and um, now into numbers. And it, I, and I actually noticed that as I was listening, I thought, and there's so many rules and it's so hard to do. And that I kept thinking, thank goodness for God's grace. Thank goodness Jesus right? came like, oh my gosh, at least we know the end of the story, but um, yes. it's Leviticus 19, nine through 18. Okay. There you go. We'll put that in the show notes too, but okay. Yeah. Well, I have loved today's conversation and I know listeners um, are going to love it as well when they tune in, but I'd love for you to pray for us as, as we come to Absolutely. Close. I am actually going to read the final prayer from um, the book because I think um, it is a great way for us to, to end. So already, <laughs> oh, Jesus, you have been faithful and you will be faithful forevermore. I know that you are coming back and in you, all things will be made new. Lord, as we await that day, help us to hold fast to our faith. Let us remember that your words are trustworthy and true and that we can put our full faith in them. Come Lord Jesus, come. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know I want to stay connected with you. I'm sure listeners are going to want to stay connected with you. So Aaron, tell us how we can best do that. You can go to my website, feastingontruth.com. Um, and I'm also Aaron H. Warren on Instagram, um, though self-professed, not super um, 
consistent there, but I'm always there. So, um, and, um, also, um, so yeah, website's the best way to do it. And you can sign up for my email list there, um, at feastingontruth.com and you'll get a free preview of both feasting on truth, um, the book and everyday prayers for faith are, um, also on there as well. All right. Well, thank you for encouraging us in our faith and to trust in God's faithfulness. I've enjoyed today's conversation so much. Same. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. You're such a gift. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Aaron H. Warren. We hope that today encouraged you with your everyday prayers of faith and to have confidence in God's faithfulness. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter and all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also listen to previous podcasts episodes, you can read the blog series, you can purchase significant merchandise, and you can download free resources like the Love Offering Calendar to give you ideas of how to offer love in your own community and in your own home. Next week, my guest is Bethany Kimsey. She is on the show talking about Warrior Mama and how to pray for our children and the importance of that. I can't wait to chat with you again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week, and as always, remember to lead with love.